Welcome. Your journey starts with improving every aspect of your life. Let's Talk Corelicious Leave Room for Dessert podcast is about discovering your true potential, overcoming your fears, and fighting life like the brave warrior that you are. Be sure to hit the like, comment, and follow button. Your host, Miss V, the Core of Life coach, has over 20 years of military and personal life experiences transforming lives from a caterpillar to a butterfly and bringing on the top influencers, successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and more who are rock stars in life, business, and relationships. On days when everything seems overwhelming, someone must remind you that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And with rain comes rainbows. What seems difficult to swallow today is exactly where you'll derive your strength from on the days to come. You are greater than your fears and braver than you seem. Miss V, the core life coach, shares how the hurdles of today will build your tomorrow if you take the right road. Your brighter future demands that you can step up now and change the game for yourself. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 14 of Let's Talk for Listeners, the Room for Dessert podcast, powered by bbsradio.com. I am Miss B, the Core Life Coach, and your host guiding you on this incredible journey of personal transformation. Prepare to meet rock stars. Who, who are making a difference in life, business, and relationships. I am beyond excited to present another conversation with that will ignite your core and leave you hungry for more. How about that? And guess what? Our podcast is taking the digital world by storm. We are dominating over 100 major platforms, including Google, Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and many more platforms. We are one of the ultimate sources for engaging discussions on life, business, and everything in between. In this episode, we have a very special guest joining us. Please give a warm welcome to Ray Anthony. He's an author, speaker, trailblazer, chief innovator, and expert in creative leadership. Now, before we go any further, I would like to just deep dive more into his bio. Prepare to have your mind blown by this profound insights and expertise. With an impressive record of accomplishments expanding over 25 years, Ray is consistently delivering exceptional results and is a true authority in his field. Ray's dynamic and captivating style will leave you inspired and motivated to reach new heights of success. He has even shared his strategic insights on fostering innovation with leaders and analysis at the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, where his expertise was highly valued. But guess what? That's not all. Ray has also equipped over 100 NASA engineers and scientists with the tools to solve complex problems and generate groundbreaking ideas. From Fortune 500 companies to smaller organizations, Ray's expertise has proven to be invaluable. Not only is he an accomplished author with nine business books under his belt, but he has also contributed to esteem magazines and online platforms. He has worked and been recognized by Inc. Magazine, and he has even graced the cover of Toastmasters International Magazine. 
Ray has also developed an incredible program called Wow Them to Win Them, mm, which showcases a remarkable collection of imaginative business proposals and marketing materials. Before establishing his own consulting and training firm, Ray excelled in the corporate world, working closely with brokerage firms on Wall Street and international banks in New York City. His exceptional sales skills earned him a promotion with Digital Equipment Corporations, DEC, Procedure Sales Training Group. Ray's educational background in economics further enhances his ability to provide valuable insights and strategies in today's ever-evolving business landscape. Without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to the man of the hour, Ray Anthony. <laughs> well, thank you, Ms. V, for that wonderful introduction. I so appreciate it. It's good to be with you and your listeners out there, and I look forward to uh, interacting with you and even interacting with them as well. So thank you. And you're welcome, Ray Anthony, for gracing us with your presence tonight. And let's deep dive into some mind-blowing questions that will leave you in awe. So the first question of the hour, can you share your incredible journey and how you became a chief innovator and expert in leadership? Okay, well, you know, your listeners are probably very much like me. They're their journey in life and their journey to success started earlier. You know, I never thought I was creative or innovative, Felisa, but, uh, you know, probably when I was in my late 30s and working for Digital Equipment Corporation, a group came in and they were teaching us creativity and a light bulb came off. And all of a sudden I said to myself, you know, I probably am creative. And guess what? A lot of people may not think they're creative right now, but once they get the bug, I assure you, creativity and innovation can be very, very addictive. How I got started years ago, let me go through it real quickly. When I was 10 years old, I created this uh, very complex uh, model train layout in the basement of my parents' home in Queens, New York City. And that's when it actually started. I wired everything together. I had multiple trains running. And along the way, I uh, started playing guitar and, and sang. I even built my own guitar amplifiers, custom amplifiers, wow. uh, designed them. Then I got involved in woodworking. Then I got involved in graphic design. Along the way, I slowly, slowly built my creativity. And when I got the bug, uh, it just got bigger and bigger and better along the way, Miss V. Oh, wow. Awesome. Which leads me into my next question. What inspired you to specialize in creativity, innovation, sales, presentations, and also coaching? Well, you know, like I said, once you get the bug, uh, you feel a great sense of satisfaction and accomplishment by doing things you didn't think you could do. And you have to have a lot of faith in yourself along the way to to be creative. And the way creativity develops for those who uh, just start their path of creativity is to start small and do different projects. And um, along the way, you just start loving creativity. I remember I was giving a uh, training course for a uh, energy company here in Houston. And it was, I was teaching them about creativity and selling. And lo and behold, about two weeks later, after I finished that course, I got a call from one of the salespeople over there. And, and this is an example of the results of how people can be creative. What he did was, they were selling electricity and gas. And he was calling on a, um, a uh, manufacturer of uh, various uh, food products in, um, in the south of Texas. And instead of coming in with a PowerPoint presentation or a written uh, booklet that he would flip through, you're not going to believe this, he came in with a box 
there were three prospects in there, and he came in with a box uh, wrapped up with, they manufactured tortillas. And he came in with a box of round rolled tortillas with a ribbon around each. And he said to him, here's my presentation. Open your box and let's start with the first tortilla. And by the way, it was their tortillas. What he did was he took a piece of paper and mm -hmm. cut out and printed on a round piece and cut it out and glued it to the tortillas. So his mm. presentation consisted of going through tortilla one, tortilla two, tortilla three, and four. And guess what? The very what? first call he made, he closed a large deal for electricity and gas. That oh. was an example of creativity. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing. How do you define creativity and innovation in the context of business? Creativity basically is coming up with novel and useful and valuable ideas. So uh, that's the general definition. That's also my definition. Now, creativity is coming up with ideas. Innovation is the application, implementation, or commercialization of those ideas. So if creativity is about thinking, innovation is about doing. Miss V, let me tell you something. Uh, a lot of people think it's hard coming up with really creative ideas, and sometimes it is. But coming up with ideas is often simpler and easier than actually trying to implement those ideas. That's okay. where the difficulty comes in, as we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. What are some common obstacles organizations face when it comes to fostering innovation? <laughs> That's a great question. The first thing is most organizations, as most people, most people are, they don't like change. And they certainly don't like risk. And so uh, some leaders in organizations are risk averse. I'd say most people are risk averse. And uh, they really don't, number two, they really don't know how to implement innovation. Innovation is a process. And it involves strategy, it involves structuring the process, it involves prioritizing ideas to be implemented. And the other thing, really, a major obstacle is risk. A lot of people mm -hmm. perceive risk. And if you're a corporation, uh, their stockholders do not like risk. So uh, those are some of the major challenges. The other challenge is uh, a lot of leaders don't know that much about innovation and their employees don't. So part of it is educating them. And mm -hmm. if you're going to be successful in innovating, whether you're in a small business or a major corporation, the goal is to always start simple, to start small, start with projects that have little to almost no risk. And so you start to develop a learning process you start learning what innovation is about, and then you start building on it. You take a little bit more risk. You expand the <laughs> projects, and you expand it throughout your organization. Uh, that's a good way to get started. Awesome. Can you share a success story where your insights on fostering innovation had a significant impact on an organization? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I. Um, I did a lot of work with a major accounting firm, a worldwide accounting firm, and I worked with them out of New York. I worked with their senior partners and also here in Houston, San Antonio, and other areas. And so I did a lot of training with them uh, as far as advanced presentation skills, concept presentations, sales strategies, and things like that. So one day they came to me, Ms. B, and they said, look, Ray, uh, you're involved in sales, you're involved in presentations, you're involved in creativity. We have a major deal that we're bidding on with J.P. Morgan Chase. It's a huge deal. But the problem is our competitor, PricewaterhouseCoopers, is doing, you ready for this, $150 million a year with them. And we're, and we're only doing $1.5 million. 
So wow. the competitors doing advertisement business, but it gets more interesting. They told me they estimate they only have about a five percent chance of closing the deal. So they asked me, "Do you want to work with us? Do you want to see if you can help us close the deal?" And I said, "I would love to, under one condition, that we don't do what you've always done, even if you do something incrementally better." If you think you only have a five percent chance of closing that deal, you're not going to get it. So you've got to do something very different and very much better. Are you okay with it? And I said, I promise, we're going to do something creative. We're going to do something innovative. We're going to do something radically different. But everything about it will be professional. We're not going to risk your reputation, your image, or your relationship with the client. Are you okay with that? Well, all the senior partners, and I, I was actually uh, at one point we were working with the CEO of the company, of the accounting firm. The marketing department, once they got hold of what we were doing, said, "Oh man, we don't like this. This is this is way too different." But uh, the CEO and the senior partner said, "Don't worry about it. We're going to do it." So what we did is we created a very very different proposal. It was.、Uh, it looked different.、Uh, the content was different. We came up with a concept called points of impact, POI,、yeah. kind of like return on investment (ROI). Now, here's where it gets really interesting. We actually quantified 79 points of impact that related to benefits for the expatriate tax processing operation. And forty of those points were exactly the same as Price Waterhouse Coopers did, but twenty of them were better, and nineteen of them were exclusive. Price Waterhouse Coopers did not have the technology or the service delivery model to do it. So, literally, from a quantification standpoint, these seventy-nine points of impact. Uh, would save the client money, would improve services, would improve accuracy, would improve efficiency of their tax processing operation. So, guess what? KPMG won the shortlist. Now they had to give a 30-minute presentation to summarize everything. So we had two very senior accounting partners doing it. I rehearsed them for three days, ten ten hours a day, to do it. But no PowerPoint. We used a storyboard, a huge storyboard with three、wow. Velcro parts that they put on it, and I actually taught them some acting lessons to do it. Wow! And guess what? With a five percent chance of closing the deal, they closed one of the biggest deals in their thirty-two year expatriate tax processing history. And how much was? It? Oh, was worth a couple of million dollars, probably seven. But it would eventually,、uh, because they won it with J.P. Morgan Chase,、uh, it's very, very likely that over a period of five years they would get other deals connected with that, probably worth about two、uh, hundred million dollars. Wow, that's amazing! And I give a lot of credit to them. It was a team effort. And most innovative projects are successful because of teams, and we worked well as a team, and、uh, they were absolutely delighted. As a result, of course, I got a lot of extra business from this accounting firm. Wow, Ashley! What are some misconceptions about creativity and innovation that you often come across? Well, if your listeners are Thinking they might be creative, chances are they're wrong. Because one misconception is to think you're either born creative or you're not. And a lot of you know that relates to leadership as well. A lot of people say you know there are born leaders. Sure, there are. Are there people who are born creative? Absolutely. They don't have to take any training or anything. They just they just it's a God given talent. They're naturally creative. But one misconception is. Okay, I wasn't born creative. I'm not an artist. I, 
you know, I don't know too much about creativity. Uh, chances are I'm not going to be creative. But guess what? You can learn it. And like any learning, if you practice it, you can become more creative than you are. Now, you may not be a creative genius, but you certainly can be much more creative. So one misconception is believing that um, you're not creative. Uh, another one is believing that creativity relates to the arts. You know, I, creativity, you know, relates to being good, uh, a musician, a dancer, an artist, a sculptor, a painter, what have you. No. In, in business, I'll give you an idea where creativity and innovation can take over. First of all, let's, let's understand why creativity and innovation are vital today. Right now, we're dealing with uh, higher inflation. Uh -huh. and uh, a possible upcoming recession. We've got two wars going on. We don't yeah. know what the future is going to be like. There's a lot of risk. There are a lot of threats. There are a lot of unknowns going on in the world. And if you've got some major problems in the world, you cannot solve them with the same tools that you've been using in the past. So creativity and innovation becomes really important. Um, you know, people are, are dealing with lower profits now because of rising operational costs. Costs. Everything is more expensive. And so you've got to get create, creative in how you're doing your business. Also, uh, with new products and new services and new processes and new systems, creativity becomes ever more important. And uh, a lot of times, a lot of organizations are dealing with employee turnover. That's expensive. If you have a creative culture in your organization, creativity can get many more people involved, and therefore, they're more willing to stay with the organization. Creativity can help you get ideal customers. It can, it can reinvigorate the passion and excitement at work. Now, you know, I gave you that example about the accounting company, but every organization, Ms. V, if you focus on creativity in sales, and marketing, advertisement, social media, maybe changing your website, public relations. You mm -hmm. can really help your brand, your image, your reputation, and you can create a compelling vision from that. There is so much involved in your organization in creating, say, for example, a new business model. So those are things that creativity and innovation can, can address real nicely. Awesome. Awesome. Can you share some tips for individuals who want to enhance their own creative thinking skills? Okay. Great. Again, great question. The way to do that, again, is to believe that you can be more creative. Now, if you go on YouTube, there are so many great, great videos about uh, enhancing your creative thinking skills. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one. Number two, uh, take some training in it. Go to a live training course and experience it. For example, I put on uh, rather exclusive creativity training programs, sometimes mm -hmm. just half a day or a day or two days, and people get hands-on experience. They learn tools. They learn uh, various methods of expanding their training uh, to make their thinking uh, bigger and bolder and more bodacious. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it just comes down to practicing. Number one, uh, hang around with creative people. Go to creative yeah. networking sessions. Visit museums. Read. Um, you know, uh, try to do diverse, different things. And that'll give you the ammunition to be more creative and innovative. Hmm. Interesting, which leads me into my next question. What are some strategies for creating a culture of innovation within an organization? Oh, you know, you just hit on something that is so critical, Belisa. Culture is responsible for about 80% of the success of creativity and innovation in an organization. It's vital. It is absolutely vital. When you have a culture that promotes 
endorses and rewards creativity and innovation, your people are much more willing to be creative. If you have closed-minded people in leadership positions, that is bad. If you punish people for coming up with what appears to be promising ideas but didn't pan out, you're going to shut that faucet of creativity immediately. So having a culture that uh, where creativity and innovation are daily priorities uh, is very, very important. The other thing is it's, it's critical to try to hire uh, people who are creative and innovative. Now, take a look at Elon Musk with his two companies, mm-hmm. Tesla and SpaceX. Elon Musk hires people with one specific skill. These are people who can fix complex problems. They never give up. They are extremely motivated to attack complex problems. As a result, they can do absolutely amazing things. And uh, I'll tell you about a culture of Elon Musk. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at what he does with Tesla. When he came out with the uh, Tesla cars, let's say the Model 3s and the Model Ys, back in 2017, the way he built them is uh, to create the frame or the skeleton of the automobile, uh, they had 120 stamped parts that they welded together, whether by robot or by hand. Okay, that was very time-consuming. So what they did is there was a company called Monroe & Associates, and Monroe & Associates would work with automobile companies. And what they would do, very interestingly, is they would tear a car apart, literally, tear it <clears> right <throat> down to its bare bones. And so uh, Sandy Monroe, who founded the company in 1988, was called the teardown king in the industry. And so he goes to Elon and he says, Elon, why are you making a frame out of 120 parts? You know, it, it, uh, it's not a good way of building a car. So what do you think most, uh, you know, egocentric individuals would do? They'd become defensive. They'd say, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Where Elon Musk, loves constructive criticism and he took Mm -hmm. everything to heart and what you know four years later four or five years later they came up with what's called single casting they had a machine that injected aluminum uh, into this huge mold and instead of having 121 stamped pieces it came out in one piece so think about the savings of that. So you didn't need all those robots to weld those pieces together. You didn't need people to fabricate those pieces. You didn't need forklifts to drive you know, the parts around. You didn't need a bigger plant and more employees to do it. The savings in productivity, efficiency, and quality were amazing. And, and it resu- it's because Elon Musk, himself is incredibly open-minded and innovative and open to criticism. And he created a culture of people that absorb criticism and they use it as a constructive device. And as a result, uh, his cars are cheaper and better and higher quality in a lot of respects. Wow. And left me speechless, but I still had a with this interview, um, the next question. I'll give you another. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you another example of Elon okay. Musk. Okay, you're familiar with SpaceX, as your readers are, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a, a spaceport over here in uh, South Texas, and uh, he's designing the world's largest spaceship called the Starship. But he started out. Uh, originally, many years ago, he actually went to Russia to buy uh, what used to be ballistic missiles, and he wanted to buy them and turn them into rockets. And the Russians laughed at him. They said, who is this guy? He's a clown. And so what he did is he started designing his own rocket, the Falcon 9. Okay? Wow. But he did something very, very different. 
See, a rocket typically consists of about three parts, uh, the big booster and then two other stages that launch uh, articles into space, satellites, for example. Okay? Mm -hmm. The booster, the long part of the rocket that contains all the fuel and most of the motors, most of the uh, rocket engines, uh, is what they would do is that fire it out over sea, typically over the ocean, and it would disconnect from the other two stages of the rocket, and it would fall to Earth. It would either burn up or it would fall into the ocean. Very, very expensive. So what Musk said is, I'm going to figure out a way to recover the booster and land it and then refurbish it so it can save costs. So uh, no, no other rocket company believed they could do it. And he came up with this idea. And so what you'll see is when he launches the Falcon 9 rocket, uh, the booster actually comes back to Earth, legs are retracted from it, and it lands, literally lands instead of burning up into the ocean. So far, he's done 200 consecutive successful landings. Now, what's interesting is the first stage of the booster uh, cost about 80% of the total cost of the rocket, and it only cost 10% to refurbish that rocket. As a result, he can launch satellites into space 60% cheaper than any other competitor. And that's what he's doing. And that's as a result of taking risks, of being innovative, of being creative with a great team. Wow. Can you share some insight from your experience working with prestigious organizations like the CIA and NASA? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you know my uh my trajectory in life has been very interesting. Uh back in 1990 I wrote an article called The 10 Traits of Creative People. And uh about a year later I got a call from this woman in the CIA and she said uh hey, I read your article it's really good. Do you do a lot of innovation and creativity training for organizations. I said, sure. She said, would you like to talk to our top analysts and our leaders uh, in Langley in our boardroom on the seventh floor about innovation? And I'll tell you why. See, it was 1990 when the Berlin Wall came down and, you know, communist Russia, the Soviet Union dissolved. And the Soviet Union was the major concern of the CIA. And now that it wasn't any longer a major threat, the CIA was wondering, okay, what do we do now? How do we redirect our energy in the world to keep it safer? So we need maybe more a new innovative path, a new way of thinking. And so they wanted me to come in for a two-hour session to talk about case studies and statistics and strategies and ideas. And uh, the first hour, and they said, just, you know, even though you're going to be talking about creativity and innovation, don't try to be creative. Don't try to be fancy. Uh, just give them hardcore facts, case studies, statistics, examples, and everything. And she said, uh, by the way, the second hour consists of these analysts and leaders in the CIA trying to disprove what you're telling them. These people think they're the smartest people in the government, and so they're going to be asking you really tough questions. So we pay you $500 in, uh, you know, and expenses to come in, and if you want to do it, great. If not, no problem. So I thought about it, and it was, you know, it was one of the toughest assignments I had. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to do it. And so uh, I was actually in the seventh floor in their boardroom in Langley in the headquarters you always see in these movies. And um, we had a very, very lively discussion. It was wonderful. What I learned, uh, I, I, in addition to teaching people, I always learn as well. And that's a good point you, you made, Valisa. And uh, what I learned from them is that they're always hungry 
for information. As smart as they are, they're interested. The other situation is, uh, again, another turn in my life was I got a call from an organization called U.S. SOCOM. They're commonly called mm. SOCOM, Special Operations mm. Command. Uh, these are the people uh, who run all the special operators uh, in the military, people mm. like uh, Navy SEALs. Uh, yeah. People like Army Rangers, people like Special Forces, uh, yeah. people like Air Force Special Operators, Marine Special Operators. These are the most elite people on the planet. They're typically in 78 countries. These are the people who took down bin Laden. And mm -hmm. I was honored. They wanted me to talk about strategic creativity. And mm -hmm. what impressed me the most about these people, Miss V, was mm -hmm. here were literally the best military people in the world. This was a colonel-level group of people from all the services, including some civilian. And I had uh, a half day to talk about strategic creativity to this group. What impressed me about them is these were the best of the best, and they weren't satisfied with what they were doing. They wanted to be better than the best of the best. Mm. And that really inspired me. And I learned that when you're dealing with top professional people, these mm -hmm. are people who are never satisfied with how good they are. They want to be always better, always smarter, always mm -hmm. more ingenious, always more clever, always more innovative. Because they've got some very clever, uh, innovative enemies out there. If you take a look at what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, they, they, they can't compete with the firepower of the U.S. military. So what they mm -hmm. did is they went to what you know as asymmetric warfare or guerrilla warfare. And their best weapon was IEDs, improvised explosive devices. They were cheap. They were easy. And they did a lot of damage to our military. So yeah. what they wanted to do is come up with ideas to overcome some of the IEDs and the guerrilla warfare tactics of, you know, people in Iraq and Afghanistan. So what I learned from NASA, what I learned from CIA, what I learned from SOCOM is that the best and brightest people are the ones who most crave being more creative and innovative. Wow. Very impressive. Which leads me into my next question. What role does effective communication play in driving innovation within an organization? Oh, that's a that's a major role. Uh it's it, it is a major role. Uh first of all, uh executives and leaders in any organization should role model creativity, number one. So while they communicate the importance of it, they better well, they better darn well uh, practice creativity and innovation. That doesn't mean that they have to be creative and innovative, but it means that they must make creativity and innovation a priority in their organization. Mm -hmm. They must promote it. They must endorse it. They must reward creativity and innovation. And they must uh, not fail uh, to encourage people to be as innovative and creative as they can. Now, when it comes to communication, uh, their communication should always be things like uh, creativity is critical in our organization. I want you to be creative. I will reward you for being creative. I will recognize you. I will acknowledge you. Uh, and also, uh, the way to do that is on their website to give examples of successful people who were creative and innovative in their organization. Uh, uh, highlight and reward these people through newsletters or social media. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly, you're constantly churning the communication formats over there to, uh, you know, to promote uh, creativity and innovation. The other thing is a way to get people excited, to energize people. You know, 
Gallup did a study. Uh, they, they do these studies almost on a regular basis. And I'm sure you've heard these statistics before. Take the average organization. Only about 30% of people are actively engaged in their job. Mm. That's shocking. That's shocking. Yeah. Now, what I mean by actively engaged is these are people who are high performers. They take the initiative. Um, they're always trying to do the very, very best they can. And uh, about 50% of the other people are just, you know, doing average work. They're not really overly motivated. They're not overly inspired. They're not really driven. They're just kind of, you know, doing a me an average job. And the other percentage of people are just, they're sleeping on the job. You know, there's an old, there's an old joke among uh, consultants. So somebody is visiting this organization. He says, how many people are working here? And the person who, who is giving the tours is about 50%. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, wow. what creativity does is it, it creates excitement and adventure and a sense of satisfaction. It, it renews the passion in the organization. And uh, it gets people just more motivated and more engaged. You know, you were talking about a culture, how important a culture is. Well, there are two things, really, that uh, uh, aims for success about innovation and creativity in the organization. The first is the culture, obviously. But the second mm -hmm. thing is your immediate supervisor or manager. Mm. People do not realize how important that person is. When most people leave a job because they're dissatisfied, guess why they leave? Because of their manager. Wow. Yeah. And statistics show that about 80 to 90% of the reason why people leave that job is because of the manager. The manager who does not listen, the manager who does not reward them, the manager who does not appreciate their work, the manager who does not praise them, the manager who does mm -hmm. not encourage them. And I'm not saying you got to baby somebody. That's not the point. But the point is, somebody's going out of the way to do a great job, but you've got to recognize it and reward it. And, uh, you know, being a thoughtful, careful, uh, sensitive, and empathic manager really is important. Now, there are times when you have to be tough. Everybody knows that, okay? But most of the time, if you feel that your manager is on your side supporting you, helping you in your career, helping you solve problems, mentoring you, giving you advice, they're going to stick around. And if that manager is promoting creativity and innovation, that means the work environment becomes more exciting, more rewarding. Um, people feel like they're actually accomplishing something of value. Now, it's not always possible in every job to, you know, have a continuous stream of creativity. But if you have a good manager that basically supports good work habits, uh, you're going to stick around. And turnover, as you know, is very, very expensive. Right now, it's difficult getting good, talented employees. Even restaurants are struggling to get people in there. And yes. what creativity does is if people find out that an organization is creative and innovative, and they love creativity and innovative. They want to be part of that. They want to share with that. And so the, the two things, again, that are so critical, culture and the immediate supervisor or manager and, and maybe the next level uh, leader or executive, uh, if you have those people on your side, you're going to stick around. Wow. All of you listeners are paying attention because he's dropping some great gems. I'm going to switch gears, right? How do you approach coaching individuals and teams to unlock their creative potential? Oh, another, another great question you have. Um, coaching is, is so vital. Uh, I was fortunate enough when I worked for Digital Equipment Corporation in New Hampshire as a senior uh, sales trainer to do two years of individual coaching. 
And uh, I learned a lot along the way. And uh, by the way, a lot of people probably don't remember who Digital Equipment Corporation is uh, because we really didn't advertise. We were the world's second largest computer company making mini computers and larger computers. We were the main competitor to IBM. At our height, we had about 126,000 employees working. And we were a very, very prestigious company. Matter of fact, our sales training organization, just the sales training organization, we had over 350 people involved in sales training and a budget of about $93 million. It was a big organization. Wow. And so what I did, um, what I did, Miss B, is that coming from New York, um, you know, New York is New York is a tough place to live. It's a tough place to work, and and uh, it was a tough place to sell. And uh, to a large degree, you had to be a little bit hard. You had to be resilient as well to sell there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went through a coaching. I learned coaching uh, from a company, and my original thoughts were, you know, this coaching thing is, you know, it's kind of a lot of fluff. Why when I'm talking to people, why can't I just tell them the uh, 21 things they did wrong and the eight things they did right? I mean, these are professionals. These are grown men and women. They've been doing this for a while. Why, why can't I just do that? Well, I discovered very, very quickly that psychologically and emotionally uh, that didn't work. And, and so to answer your question about how do you coach people about creativity, Number one, uh, you have to first encourage them to be more creative. In other words, Mm. try different things. Try different ways of thinking. Try different ways of doing things. Try different strategies. Try different approaches. And when it doesn't work, tell them that you respect the fact that they took the effort to try it in spite of the fact that it didn't work. In other words, you're patting them on the back, whether it succeeds or not. And then as a coach, you're giving them some direction. You're saying, why do you think it didn't work? What, what happened? What were the two or three contributing factors that caused it maybe not to work this time? What would you do differently? So you help them think through the process of, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what should they do differently better? And then always, when they get that first success, just pat them on the back. Wow, that was fantastic. That was wonderful. Okay, now that that worked from a creative standpoint, let's take a look at another way of attacking problem number B or taking advantage of opportunity A. So what you want to do is you want to take them up a stair step, one step at a time, to a bigger project or a bigger problem or a bigger opportunity and encourage them. And then always kind of set expectations to them and say to them, look, every time, you know, when you use creative ideas, not everyone will work. You may have a setback rate of 50% or 60%. Sometimes it's like playing a slot machine. You got to keep on hitting the lever until you get it. And it's mm-hmm. a numbers game to a large extent. But every time you try something creative and it doesn't work, you must figure out why it didn't work. You know, you know the Dyson vacuum machines that became very popular? Yes. Well, Mr. Dyson, who now is a billionaire, by the way, is a quintessential innovator. You know, when Mm. he started creating this bagless vacuum, He had all sorts of technological problems. He had a motor that, you know, wasn't spinning fast enough, and the compartment wasn't uh, the right design. It actually took him, you ready for this, over 5,100 iterations to finally get that first Dyson bagless vacuum going. And the success factor was, Every time he had a setback, he learned from it. He tried something different, and he stuck to it. 
You know, most innovators are successful because they never give up. They don't. They refuse to give up. They learn from their mistakes and they keep on going. Most of us have a tendency to say, look, I tried it 20 times, it didn't work. And, you know, it may be the 21st time that really works. So uh, uh, another characteristic of a great innovator is somebody who is persevering and persistent and, and die hard. They refuse to give up. They're actually stubborn. And that's a good way of being stubborn. So they stick to it, and eventually they become successful. And they become, he became a billionaire. He worked out of his garage in England. Wow. And now he's a billionaire. And he's in his 80s, by the way. He's still working. He loves, innovators love what they do. He's still working. He doesn't have to work. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Okay, Ray, we're getting close to five more minutes. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? And you can feel free to ask me any questions as well. Sure. Uh, quickly, uh, for the listeners out there, um, I uh, my last book that uh, that I wrote was called Innovative Presentations for Dummies, and uh, I came up with a model uh, that involves creativity, strategy, technology, and psychology in your presentations. If you want to learn about how to give an absolutely awesome presentation that is clear, concise, convincing, captivating, compelling, and above all, creative, I would strongly encourage you to get a copy of it. Uh, they have a lot of used copies out there for maybe 2 or $3. Go on Amazon, Innovative Presentations for Dummies. So uh, I would encourage people to do that and if anybody has any questions or comments or would like to run something by me, I'd be delighted to talk with you. Ms. V is going to give you my contact information. So please, I would encourage you to give me a call or send me an email or a text, and I'd be happy to give you some free advice if you uh, so want it. So my question to you is, uh, when it comes to leadership, you've been in the Air Force for over 20 years. What are some of your thoughts on leadership and maybe even innovative leadership, Ms. V? Okay, so leadership, I think it goes into a mindset. A lot of times, let's say, for example, when I came into the military, I was very shy. But what I end up finding now is when it comes to leadership, it's just like breaking down a weapon. You're breaking it down to the bare bone of the weapon, right? So that's how they did us going in. They broke us down to us becoming what they call us in the Air Force, the rainbows. So we get into something that we don't know nothing about, but they, they teach us how to become a leader and also to include, become a CEO of a company. And how they do that is they train us by thinking creatively and doing innovation and becoming great at what we do by asking the right questions to make sure we know what we're doing and to include having a mindset to go to war, to be on the front lines as leading as well. So what I love about the leadership role, it took me to become from a introvert to a leader and being able to command attention to any organization or to any person, not being cocky, but being confident. And I give all that to my upbringing, my grandmother, my mother, and also my military career, which I can say that I have worked for the Department of Defense, and also all branches of service. Outstanding. Outstanding. May I leave one other thought for your listeners? Yes. When you uh, give them information about my LinkedIn, on uh, ladies and gentlemen, on my LinkedIn site, there are 50 detailed articles that I've written about leadership, 
about innovation, about creativity, about strategy, about management. And these are very, very detailed articles and, and hopefully very interesting articles as well. So I, it's free. Just go to, my, go to my LinkedIn site and feel free to read as many articles as you want. Even feel free to uh, copy them and print them out. You have my, you have my permission. Uh, print it out to your own people. Uh, I want to be the Johnny Appleseed of creativity and innovation. Right now in our world, we need it more than ever to solve some of the complex problems we have. And I want to thank Ms. V and her team for giving me an opportunity to, uh, number one, talk about my favorite topics. And uh, I want to uh, thank you, especially Ms. V, uh, for your expertise and your kindness and your good coaching and your leadership as well. And I hope we have an opportunity to work together on more projects as well. So I thank you very, very much. And you're welcome, Ray. Here's what I would love for you to do since we're still on the air and the listeners would love to just get a hold of you. Why don't you just share your information and we'll close it out that way. Okay. If uh, uh, I, <laughs> I don't have my uh, bio in front of me, would you be, uh, uh, first of all, my telephone number is 832-594-4747. Uh, I'm coming up with a new company name and a new company team. So uh, right now I've, uh, uh, I've deleted my older company. I actually had the name hacked by a foreign country. So uh, that, is, uh, that is a problem. So I can't give you my company name, but uh, Ms. V, if you have that information in front of you uh, for the website or if you can provide it for the listeners, I would, uh, not my website, my LinkedIn, rather, if you could do that, I would appreciate it. I don't have it in front of me on my computer. I shut my computer down so it doesn't make noise while I'm, uh, while I'm talking. Do you have that in front of you? I do not have that in front of me, but I will make sure that um, we're able to captivate that somehow. Okay. I would greatly appreciate, uh, greatly appreciate that. And uh, feel free when uh, Ms. B gives you that information to, uh, to uh, contact me. And I'd be um, happy they, to. I, yeah. I just have a thought. Can they get with your Comcast um, email address? And Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Email? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my email address, and if you, if you do that, then uh, I can give you further information. It's innovator at comcast.net, but it's spelled differently. It's I-N-N-O-V, as in victory, A-B, as in delta, E-R, at comcast, C-O-M-C-A-S-T, dot net. So that's I-N-N-O-V-A-D-E. R at Comcast.net, and you have my telephone number. And uh, but on my LinkedIn site, uh, again, feel free to access those articles. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. They're very detailed, and uh, feel free to share that uh, with your staff as well out there. So um, I hope uh, you've gleaned the importance of creativity and innovation. Uh, I assure you. By being more creative and innovation, innovative, it will change your life, it will change your career, it will change your organization. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share that with you. And you're welcome. As always, let's save room for dessert. Bye for now. <laughs> okay. Let's Talk Corlicious Leave Room for Dessert podcast with Miss V. The Core Life Coach will give you the tools to build resilience and activate the leader within and identify what truly matters in your life. Some years down the line, you'll look back and smile at how you thought you might not get through it. That's when you'll be proud of yourself for prioritizing your well-being and personal growth. You are the rock star that your family and kids look up to for light. 
Let's help you grow and evolve with Let's Talk Corelicious Leave Room for Dessert podcast with Miss V, the Core Life Coach, an unparalleled opportunity to truly live up to your fullest potential and find comfort in your own skin. 